Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Kick Golasso, presented to you by Sonos Beam, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music gaming, and much more. Stay tuned for additional details about the Sonos Beam later in today's show. And today's show, the Champions League is the halfway point of the tournament group stage. And for some clubs, it's do or die time. No more slip-ups allowed for Barcelona. Milan, though, killing it in the league, are on life support in the group of death. And Sheriff amazingly look to maintain the top spot in Group D. We got Heath Beers, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, Kegel Lasso Champions League preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Champions League preview Kegel Lasso. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, man? You know what? I'm very excited for match day four because it is a repeat of match day three. They're just playing in the opposite location. And I love that part of the Champions League group stages because it's a freshness to playing the same opponent twice in a row. Yeah, and it's easier to analyze, right, Jonathan Johnson, when you're writing your previews and your recaps. At least, uh, you know, just look at your uh, your notes from, from two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly the reason why I love this match day <laughs> so much, these two. So, no, very much looking forward to it. And like you said, you know, plenty at stake for a lot of clubs already. So, you know, we're starting to get towards the money time not quite there just yet but you know we're approaching the home stretch absolutely and for his peers it doesn't matter what kind of match day it is he's ready he's ready to go how are you hp i'm doing well i'm doing well it is it is uh kind of rounding the corner when you get to this match you have a lot of teams that are in becoming must win situations some teams underperforming some can uh nearly secure themselves a spot so a huge match day and i'm looking forward to chatting about it Absolutely. And as we mentioned in the intro and, and HP just said right now, I feel that halfway of the group stages is massive, massive crunch time, specifically for some teams, as we mentioned. And we begin in the group of death. Group B, as Liverpool now host Atletico Madrid. Lucho Suarez, Luis Suarez, back to Anfield for the first time since that Barcelona collapse, by the way. In the 2018-2019 semi-finals, let's talk about this game. Liverpool uh, hiccuped a little bit against Brighton, but Atletico Madrid did really, really well uh, against Real Betis. Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. Once again, Liverpool hosting Atletico Madrid. How do you see this one? Well, I think it's an important one for Luis Suarez in particular. I'm glad you brought him up because Antoine Griezmann has a red card. He'll be missing this one after he basically tried to crush somebody. He didn't try to purposely crush somebody with the bottom of his foot, but it was close to maybe ending somebody's life. And so uh, I'm excited to see Luis Suarez come back into this. Obviously, at Anfield, it's going to have some special memories for him. I'm curious to see how the fans treat him. What's interesting for me, though, is that because of that result this past weekend, where they finally got a clean sheet, and I'm talking about Atletico Madrid against Real Betis, who were one of the better teams in La Liga, it's pretty important for them because they got Savage back, him and his back, and Hermoso they're starting back threes, who they really like to have game in and game out. That's their only their fifth clean sheet out of 20 so far, which is a pretty poor record defensively for Atletico Madrid. 
And then obviously on the flip side, Jurgen Klopp has to be furious with this team after giving up a 2-0 lead at home to Brighton, where Brighton almost could have stole the points there in the second half. So I think there's going to have to be some type of response to that and how they're playing and maybe tightening things up a little bit, maybe not committing as much going forward. But who am I kidding? Of course they're going forward. It's what they do. Liverpool are unstoppable going forward right now. So I feel like both of these teams have to figure out that right balance between attacking and also defending. And I feel like Atleti might have unlocked that this past weekend. And without Griezmann, maybe it's a little bit different. But I like this one. This is going to be a very good game. I'll give you my bets in a second. But but I really feel like this is this is going to be one that's going to mark whether who goes through and who doesn't. And I'm talking more about Atleti because Liverpool have won their first three. They just need a point to go through. So I wonder how they're going to attack this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this one as well. And I've, I, I've been wondering about Liverpool since that threshing of United a couple of weeks ago. And it, it almost sort of lulled them into a false sense of security. Uh, you know, and then they've been taken by surprise by their opponents since. And I think they need a game of this caliber, uh, you know, to get back into into the groove that they'd found for themselves. And, you know, they're looking very, very good, uh, you know, up until, uh, you know, just a, a couple of days ago. So, you know, for me, I think that that, you know, that you identified Atleti's defense as potentially being key, both in terms of Atleti getting the result here, but also challenging Liverpool to, you know, to, to raise the bar in their performance, put, uh, you know, a bit of pressure on them, the onus on them to to, to get back out there, uh, you know, dust off the cobwebs from that disappointment against Brighton. And I think this really has the makings of being, if not as good as the the, the, the first matchup between them a couple of weeks ago, then, you know, quite close to that. I, I don't think it'll be as goal-filled, uh, you know, but I think that there's definitely going to be, uh, you know, very. it's going to get testy at times, uh, you know, and I'm I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm looking forward to this as well. Obviously, I would love to spend uh, my allotted time talking about how exciting the attack of Liverpool are, but I, what I'm most worried about is is just the goals they give up. You know, it's uncharacteristic. Everybody's talking about Virgil van Dijk, this back line. I still, I agree with Jimmy, and Jimmy mentioned on the weekend uh, review uh, recap yesterday of just, or a couple of days ago, just that he doesn't look his best still. And if you look at just the goals they've given up, they've given up two to Brighton. They gave up two to Atletico Madrid. They gave up three to Brentford, two to City. Obviously, those are great teams, and Brentford were very good on that day. But it's still a little bit alarming when you think about just how good their attack is. They're showing and continuing to show some vulnerabilities in that back line. I agree with JJ that they they need a little bit of a wake-up call in a match like this. Obviously, they're short-staffed in the midfield as well. Nabi Keita will be out for this one. And then you've got uh, likely missing Tiago and Fabinho, uh, who are both doubtful. Perhaps they play in this one. But overall, it, it's difficult. And then on the flip side, uh, Zhao Felix uh, had a great, great performance over the weekend. And then again, with Griezmann out, uh, as, as Jimmy mentioned, you now have Luis Suarez who can step up, who I don't even know uh, if he would have started in this match had Griezmann been available. So, uh, you know, overall, this is Liverpool needs to shore up this back line because if they want to have that run in the league, if they want to have that run in, in this competition or continue to have that run, they need to be able to uh, stop giving up so many goals uh, if they're, or, or expect their, their goal scorers to have to score more goals. Yeah, see, this is why I love uh, doing this with all of you. You all just gave some really key things. One of them was uh, the fact that they're conceding a few goals here in Liverpool. The other part as well, I think, is uh, Atletico Madrid's uh, game plan because they don't know, to Jimmy's point, how to sit back. They're going to go at it. So, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, the two heavyweights going at each other, at least from a psychological perspective. Jimmy, I remember uh, it, when uh, Atleti hosted Liverpool uh, Oh, I, and we were recapping the game, uh, you, you gave a good stat, which was Diego Simeone's first time ever to concede two goals in the first 15 minutes. That 
not necessarily that might not be the narrative this time around, but that has to be alarming at how vulnerable they can be against a side like Liverpool. A hundred percent. And I think that's a, a big point of interest and contention here with regard to my bets. But I will say that Antoine Griezmann came back and scored two goals in the next 17 or 18 minutes to make it 2-2. And if he had not gotten red carded, which is the first time in the history of the Champions League that someone's got two goals and a red card in the same game. So fair yeah, play. Yeah, it was in the 52nd minute when he got <laughs> that. All about records. Well. All about records. <laughs> it is. It's all about I mean, it's, it's it. It's all he's trying to do is leave a legacy. But, but he but, got sent off in the 52nd minute, which is big because obviously that's still a big, you know, there's still a lot of time to play, right? So there, There's a ton. And I feel like if he hadn't gotten red carded, Maybe the game would have ended in a draw. Both teams to score in a draw. I like a draw again in this one. That's why I'm teeing that up. But I will say that over two and a half goals is minus 125. Almost even money there. You guys know I don't like to swim in the waters of negativity. But I feel like if you bet 125 to win 100, that is probably the way to go on this one. Because I think it is going to be over two and a half goals. There is an interesting prop bet, though. Come from behind to win or draw. If, if, if you think Liverpool is going to do that, that's plus 340. If you think Atleti can do it, it's plus 470. Almost 5-1 to one for Atleti to come from behind to win or draw. I think one of those two teams are going to do it because somebody's going to score. So look at both of those. You can put the same value on both and, and potentially be a winner. So I, I like that one a lot. I don't think there's going to be a clean sheet in this one. So I think that actually is a very, very nice prop bet. JJ, give me a quick score prediction. Uh, I'm going to go for a Liverpool win, but I'm going to go for a narrow Liverpool win. So I'm going to say it's probably going to be around say the 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 two one mark uh you know i it really it, like i said earlier it would surprise me if it's a real goal fest like last time yeah two one heath yeah i i think i think two one's uh what i'm gonna go with as well i think uh atletico have showed as jimmy mentioned before an inability to figure out are we attacking or are we defending which are we what type of team are we what's the balance and i think they'll get one here but liverpool will be too strong i'm going two one yeah, I'm taking Jimmy's notes. I'm going for a draw here. I think it's going to be uh, not a goal fest, maybe 1-0, but 2-0 is the one. Yes, that's the one I'm going for, Jimmy. <laughs> that's a goal fest. 2-2 is a goal fest. What are we talking about? Yeah, that's true. You guys are spoiled if you want more than that. Leave me alone. It's a Monday. All right, let's move on here. Let's stay in the group of death, Group B, as AC Milan, as we mentioned in the intro, doing very well in the league. Of course, got a good win against Roma but you know in terms of the Champions League they really need something as they host Porto in Group B by the way before we get into this one our very own JJ Jonathan Johnson talked to Simon Simon is it Simon he's Danish right so Simon Kiar um, who had a really great great things to say regarding not just uh, the season but obviously looking ahead to the Champions League and so much more if you're listening to this on podcast. Here's a little snippet on YouTube. Uh, there's a little link in below afterwards, but check it out. Um, Liverpool away, Port away that we need to, need to learn from. Uh, it's uh, it's different to play outside in uh, in Champions. I've played against Porto before with Lille, uh, and they are very, very diff difficult opponent when you come to their ground uh, in, in Porto. Um, so we need to learn from that, but we got two games at home now, one away in, in Madrid, uh, where yeah, we need to show that uh, we need to get points if we want to have anything to do in the Champions League. And, and, uh, and that is, um, it's also the right way. You get nothing uh, handed out. You need to, make, need to make an effort. You need to earn it to, to pass on in Champions League. And um, we have a last possibility uh, against Porto uh, on Wednesday. That is, um, yeah, we need to win. Uh, if not, the uh, Champions League is gone. 
Excellent stuff there. And let's go to Jonathan Johnson uh, regarding that interview, but not just uh, the interview, but also, you know, just how he sees the season with AC Milan right now as a host Porto. How do you see it, JJ? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, the pressure is now on for AC Milan. And uh, as you heard, Simon, you know, pulling no punches, uh, you know, making it obvious that the players know, uh, you know, if they don't get a result here, they're now really looking down the barrel, uh, you know, potentially dropping into the Europa League at best. And even that is, you know, far from given their four points adrift at this moment in time. So as far as must win go, games go uh, in Europe, you know, this is uh, th this is definitely up there. Uh, and it's, it's a real shame that, uh, you know, AC haven't been able to grind out the results in the same way that they're doing domestically right now. But the one thing that I also think that we need to bear in mind uh, with Milan is the fact that they've rebuilt so well over these last couple of years, particularly since Simon arrived uh, at the club. And he was uh, alluding to that in the interview, uh, you know, that the club are very happy with where they are at right now because they're not back challenging for the domestic title. Uh, you know, and obviously Champions League football is massively important to a club like Milan with its history, with its tradition, but also, you know, there, 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 there is a feeling of maybe a bit of frustration uh, within the club that they can't be as competitive as they've been in the past in that competition straight away. I asked him whether there was a, a period of readjustment, readaptation to being back in the Champions League after so long away. Uh, and, you know, it, he kind of bristled at the at, at the question a little bit because I think that, you know, Milan is a very proud club uh, and they don't like to think that they need that time to get used to being in the competition and perhaps giving it a better go next year. So I think they'll give absolutely everything to this one, uh, you know, and they'll be under no illusions. If they don't win, they can't really expect to go much further in Europe this season. Yeah, they went. They in this one, it's it's been interesting. If you look back at the the matches they've had so far, obviously they they had a lead against Liverpool that they that they gave up. They had a lead against uh, Atletico, uh, which they gave up two uh, in in the end. And so they've they've actually been in decent positions so far in this competition, but very different than in the domestic league where they're trying to hold on to leads and and have a little bit more of a confidence. They they sort of fell apart. Obviously, one of those was going down for a red card only to give up a goal in the 97th or 96th minute, something like that. So there's just a maturity and a growing process of, oh man, we're playing against a different quality of team now. We're playing against a different level of opponent that we have to be able to, if you get into those positions where you are up a goal, you know, in Serie A, that's, they're famous uh, across the league for that, that Catanaccio style of play. And obviously they've moved away from that and teams are more exciting and playing a different style of play now. But there is that discipline of, of the Italian style of play, being able to take a lead and know that that's plenty of goals you need on the day. They need to uh, bring that into this European competition because they've been in good spots. It's not like they've been playing exceptionally poor uh, in this competition. It's just about, you know, having that maturity or learning from these mistakes that they've had of, of one red cards and two giving up these leads when they're actually in good positions. Yeah. I'm going to say a little bit of luck. I agree with Heath there. They're missing that. They seem to have it. And domestically, they've won 10 out of 11, but they've lost all three in the Champions League. And actually, going back to 2014, Milan have lost five straight matches. It's the worst run in their history in this competition. So I think that pride that JJ talks about will be evident. I think there is something that, to play for for them, especially at home against an opponent that I think a lot of their fans expect to beat in Porto. Now, Porto are coming off a big 1-0 win in the last match day against Milan. They're coming off a big 4-1 win against Boa Vista this weekend. Uh, we had uh, Eva, Evan Nielsen. He scored a brace in this one. I think he starts. He started on match day three, but uh, it keeps Porto on top of the table. They're on tight on points with Sporting and and 
They're one point or Benfica is one point behind them. So it's pretty tight at the top. And I say that because I do think that what happens on the weekend does matter. And I know we're going to talk about Manchester United who had the Manchester Derby coming up. And I think that does play into that. I also want to give a shout out to Medi Taremi, who's got seven goals and three assists in his last seven games. So they have something there that Milan's going to have to pay attention to and can't have those lapses in concentration. I will say that Franck Kessier comes back into the team. Uh, he he was red carded for match day three. He takes their pens, him scoring anytime plus 275. I think Zlatan might get the rest here. They got to manage his minutes because the guy's over 40, even though he's still banging in the goals. Maybe a super sub on this one. Uh, Rafael Leao, I think, has been tremendous throughout most of the season. Pretty consistent, almost uh, Vinicius type levels where you're starting to see this, this more consistent level and seeing them hit their potential on, on a regular basis. Him to score anytime is plus 175, something to keep at keep a lookout but in terms of uh, quick quick odds that i'm looking at milan to win straight up is minus 104 so basically 100 to bet 100 to win 100 uh, milan to win an under two and a half goals is plus 320 if you think it's going to be tight it was 1-0 to porto last match day milan to win an over two and a half goals if you think they're going to score a bunch plus 210 i'm kind of leaning to the under two and a half goals i'm curious what everybody else thinks in terms of predictions but i like milan to win this uh maybe 1-0-2-0 there i feel like they're going to tighten things up in the back yeah, well, to Jimmy's point, there's a massive game this weekend, obviously, in the Milan Derby and Inter Milan uh, are also in this tournament as well. So it would be even issues for them. By the way, this is the fifth time that AC Milan will have host Porto, but the first one, by the way, since 1996. Uh, so it's been a while for them to face each other. All right, quick score predictions. Uh, just uh, JJ, let's go with you. What do you think? I'm going to go for 1-0 Milan this time. Okay, a nice, uh, stubborn, resilient, maybe I boring. It. I love okay. it. I'm here for it. Uh-huh. Jimmy agrees to it. You, you stick with one nil as well? I'll go one nil. I like that plus 320. Milan yeah. under two net goals. Milan to win. HP? Yeah, I'm going one nil. I just gave a, a coaching speech of shoring up, shoring up, <laughs> learning from your mistakes to stay one nil. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, fine. I'll be boring and agree as well. All right, let's uh, move on here to Group F. Group F and Manchester United. Who are you, Manchester United? After a good win against Tottenham, now you visit Atalanta. Um, and, you know, this is uh, another big game for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. By the way, a good quote from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, regarding this game. I cannot give you the game plan or the tactics, but we have the squad to play many different ways. On Saturday, the quality of our play was more important than the system we oh, played. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot boo of great. Well, yeah, go ahead, uh, he. You're doing yeah, already. I mean, I mean, boo, I mean, yeah. You made one change, and now you say you have a lot of ways that you can play. You played the same way, and you got the same results constantly. And now, now you switch. Which I actually do give him credit for switching because he was under the gun. He's continuing to be under, under, under the. I don't. Maybe that's not a right reference, but like uh, he's under continuing pressure. to be under pressure. Yeah, and and to, to make that change and to basically go, well, I've got more attacking threat than most teams do. Uh, and any club in the world, but I'm going to just put most of them on the bench and sacrifice that to have a little more defensive structure. Again, when I look at the matches that they played, Villarreal, they were getting run through, uh, you know, in terms of giving up opportunities, games and transitions. And when I went back and looked at some of those those games, it wasn't like they were out of position or that they didn't have the players. They had a number of players behind the ball, but it was like a false sense of comfort of players behind the ball, not knowing what to do in 1v1 scenarios or, you know, creating overloads to just really just put out any sort of attacks. And then no, everyone's looking at the other one saying who's tracking who and and they and they give up these opportunities so again we know that he's got this pressure uh and to to have to get results right now but you know uh, again i i look at that and i say you know uh you know 
play with the back three. Stick with the back three that you have, and and I think that works. I don't see how you go to anything else. Their back four looks atrocious in any games that they played. They look disorganized in that three. I don't know if that's, you know, because usually I see teams go to a three and then switch back to a four because they're like, okay, this isn't working. There's gaps everywhere. But they looked comfortable in that situation. Braun seems to be a calming presence at that center of a back three. And so overall, I think it's the smart route to go, obviously matching up against a back three uh, as well. So, And I think those are great points, Heath. But what I'll add to this is that I feel like Ole Gunner from the attacking side is really smartly attacking this week because he only really committed three attacking players against Tottenham and it worked out. Bruno Fernandes, Cavani, and Ronaldo. And they all contributed in making a difference. I think Cavani's going to sit this one because they have the Manchester Derby pretty early on Saturday. And I think it's going to make a difference in terms of how they attack that. So now they can continue to stay in this back three formation, which I think they will. I don't. I think he's just playing. He's, I mean, we all know that's what he's going to do. And you can bring in Rashford to start, who I thought was... Looked a little agitated that he didn't get the start. You can maybe bring in a Greenwood or or a, a Sancho. Now you have that luxury. You actually have some depth in your attacking options. But that puts a lot of pressure on Juan Masaka and Luke Shaw to continue to be hitting those crosses from deep to, to continue to be forced going forward. And I think that they will. That said, I think it worked against Spurs because Spurs weren't expecting it. And, and never in a million years did they think they were going to switch to a back three and try to make that happen. And I think that created gaps. Now Spurs have their own issues, which we'll be able to talk about at length moving forward. But I will say that this time around, Atalanta are not going to be surprised. They saw it. They have the 90 minutes against Spurs to 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 dissect. And then and then also they play a back three as well. They they've seen this formation, and I think they're going to be prepared for it in a way that Spurs weren't. And I think it, it it's not say fool's gold, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself talking about this revelatory tactics with with United when I still feel like they need to demonstrate that they can do it against multiple opponents. And so this is going to be a good test. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm Mr. Draw recently on, on these Champions League previews, but uh, I do like the draw here. I think something as well that's really important, bearing in mind this game, is when you think back to the way that the last one panned out, because United got back in it with the one goal. Atalanta were two goals up. De Gea makes a really, really important mm-hmm, save mm-hmm. to Zapata. keep, uh, you know, United in it. And then suddenly United go on and win it very, very late on. And that result you know, basically kept uh, Solskjaer in the job this long. So for me, I think that Atalanta will be kicking themselves since that game. Uh, obviously, they're paying for the, the absence of Gozens as well a little bit of late. But, uh, you know, I do think that they will, being at home, uh, they will take what they've learned from that last game because I think there's been so many instances where Gasparini would have been tearing his hair out in the last couple of weeks. You look at some of the results that they could have had uh, and have potentially thrown away. Uh, you know, and I think that they will be looking at this one thinking, right, you know, this is where we try and get ourselves back on track a little bit. Uh, and I, I think that they will put in a much better performance against United than they did after they took the lead uh, at Old Trafford. I'm not saying necessarily that they'll go and win, but uh, I'd be surprised if they lost this one. Yeah, well, the home advantage is a key thing uh, because Atalanta have only lost two of their last eight Champions League matches at home. But to everybody's point, uh, the thriller that was uh, before was partly because Atalanta really uh, did not a take uh, kick care of uh, a few chances. David De Gea doing really well, but also just uh, listen. Atalanta is this kind of team that just they want you to come at them in a weird way. They want you to. They're inviting it uh, because they obviously also rely on the counter. It's going to be there's going to be goals in this one. I'm not sure, Heath. You wanted to add something. Yeah, it was just my, my question was back to, to Jimmy's point, which I, I, I do agree with, but I was just more curious to the group of, do you not think that if this situation or this system or this team worked, why would Ole Gunnar not stick with the same group going into these games? I, 
for him personally, right? Do you really think that you can now switch to another three and hope that everybody can do it? You haven't had really any time on the training pitch to improve that or slot guys in, move them out. So I know that all you're going to Solskjaer's uh, quote there answers your question, doesn't it? When he's saying yeah. uh, on, on Saturday, the quality of our play was more important than the system we played. So it doesn't matter what we do, like how we draw it up. Just as long as we have the quality, we're good to go. It's no, very, I mean, uh, it's very NBA. <laughs> yeah, that seems really yeah obviously you have quality you're manchester united but right. like the, the for me that balancing of his actual job and the team getting results it would think that like okay this worked why would i change it maybe you need to and how do you weigh this obviously they're okay in the champions league right now they're not in a bad position but if you lose that game what does that mean for him uh, uh from, from an actual like job security standpoint versus the uh, Manchester Derby. Yeah, Jimmy, he, we've been he, here before. No. We? Yeah. Well, but Antonio Conte is going to Spurs. There's nobody else out there, man. <laughs> yeah, like, well, somebody was saying, somebody was saying on Twitter, somebody was saying on Twitter that uh, Manchester United winning this weekend was terrible. The worst three points won ever now because that forces Conte to go to Tottenham and now sticking with Solskjaer. But Jimmy, we've been here before about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He gets yeah. a good win. We think, oh, they're good to go. And then so I see an Atalanta loss. I mean, win. Atalanta win, United loss. Tell me otherwise, Jamie Conrad. I, I like the draw here, plus two seventy five. I oh, think it's the best go. value. You can get you can get <laughs> plus one sixty ish on either Atalanta or Man United. Obviously, United has shown that they are very good away from home. I am curious as to who they're going to start. So obviously, keep an eye on that. If Pogba comes in potentially for Fred or McTominay, that will change the vibe defensively for that team and how they try to create with and how Pogba fits into this new formation. Obviously, he's a world class player. He should be on the field, but. There are times where there's not room for him, and we'll see how this goes. I do want to say, though, Cristiano Ronaldo for a prop bet, for him to score the first or last goal is plus 170. Yeah, that's I like that good. value a lot because, obviously, he's the greatest to ever do it in this competition. Plus, the last two match days against Villarreal and Atalanta, he scored the last goal in both, which were match winners. So the guy loves the clutch moment. He likes to either set the tone with an early goal or be the hero and score late. So plus 170 for him to score the first or last is, is awesome money, in my, my opinion. I think he's going to have to please himself with scoring a consolation goal for United at the end in my prediction. I'm going to go two on Atalanta. Uh, yeah, why not? Ronaldo getting a late goal for United. But I, I can see the Italians winning this and Solskjaer being back under fire. And I, I think going go, I think going back to Heath's point as well, I think, Heath, you're, you're, you're looking at the situation too logically and too pragmatically. It's basically just anything goes that, you know, Solskjaer will just muddle through. Uh, you know, these positive results just seem to bail him out every time. As Luis Miguel says, it feels like we've been here like a year, maybe even 18 months, doing so many podcasts where we think it could be Solskjaer's last one in charge of United and he's still here they pulled me back in that's right Heath <laughs> score prediction I'm gonna go uh one nil Man United I just one nil Manchester yeah. United I, I, have, I have no basis to give you that prediction on that's a gut zero feeling. But that's a gut Pretty much that like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics, so it's yeah, fine. It's the, yeah. uh, the back five rides again, you know? <laughs> well, listen, the narrative is set, as our producer Des Norris just said, if United lose the backs-against-the-wall kind of matchup as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to face Pep Guardiola, who just lost against Crystal Palace as well this past weekend. So the Manchester Derby would be a very good one. So for the neutral, kind of want to see an Atalanta win here, see just uh, what happens. But that's your... Atalanta, Manchester United, Group F matchup. We're going to take a break. We have much more coming back with uh, Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, part of our Champions League preview. We'll be right back. 
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Racing the Bar, presented by Sonos Beam. This segment focuses on players and clubs that have raised the bar this season in the Champions League, taking their game to another level. And you guessed it, raised the bar. I'm joined by Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Gonrad, Heath Pierce, who will give me a player or a club, an underrated star it can be, who have exceeded expectations so far in this campaign. And yep, you guessed it, once again, raised the bar. So Heath Pierce, who is that for you, my friend? Well, I'm going to go with Sebastian Haller, obviously. He is raising the bar from last season because uh, he wasn't eligible to play for Ajax because they left him off the roster in, in Champions League when he came to the club last year. And then this year, obviously, six goals and two assists in Champions League. Four he put up against Sporting, which was a, a, a record broken by, I think, I think Van Boston or something like that from way, way back in the day of four goals in their in their Champions League debut. He had to wait a long time for those goals. And then uh, one goal and two assists against Dortmund, who they're playing again in this re return leg uh, against Dortmund and putting in solid performances of just finding ways to contribute. A guy that's in form, and obviously there's a, a little bit of a storyline to this player who is uh, the most expensive player in Ajax's history and has a relatively, at the peak of his career, 27 years old, just has a number of these characteristics that you don't always expect a player to come back uh, after not being uh, a prolific goal scorer everywhere that he's been and having the form that he's in right now in Champions League. Obviously, he followed that up with, with another um, goal and an assist against PSV Eindhoven in that rivalry match. So he's just in peak form right now. Ajax obviously taking on Dortmund. Ajax are one of the better teams. They're, they're looking a little bit different than Ajax's of the past, a little more experienced than you ex would expect traditionally playing some of their younger, younger players. But Overall, just an exciting time for the club, and, and he's leading the way and, and overperforming uh, what I think the expectations are, being that he's an expensive signing for a club that usually doesn't spend too much money on uh, on player transfers. Yeah, it's really interesting as well with Haller because he's somebody who was identified very, very early on um, during his time in France. Never actually really got to light it up here because he was with Auxerre uh, when they started to struggle in the second tier, then went eventually uh, to the Premier League with West Ham, where people were considering him a flop, makes the move to Ajax, 
Uh, you know, now suddenly he's catching fire in the way that many people have expected. And it's interesting to see him being linked uh, with Dortmund as a potential replacement for Haaland as well. You know, there's a lot of talk about whether this is going to be Erling Haaland's final season uh, with Dortmund. I know that he's out injured at the moment, which obviously uh, is a is a huge pain for both Dortmund and the Norway national team. But, you know, Haller, you know, making a very strong case uh, for being considered for, for that sort of move, because when he's in this sort of form, you know, with with all due respect to Ajax, who are a, a European soccer institution, it's difficult to see them being able to keep him away, as has been the problem in the past with the other, uh, you know, bright stars when De Ligt was lighting it up, De Jong as well. It's, it's difficult for them to keep them for too long in the Netherlands when they're pl- performing like this. The interesting thing about Haller is that he's a guy who's approaching what you would consider to be his prime years. Uh, you know, in terms of this next move will absolutely have to be the right one for him to in, or, in order to maximize, uh, you know, the the talent that we're seeing right now. Well, JJ, give me yours. So mine, uh, I'm going for a club, not an individual. And I've been really, really impressed by Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, you know, I think that they are performing extremely well uh, in what could have been quite a tricky group. Uh, you know, they're up against the likes of the French champions, Sevilla, who have a lot of experience in uh, in, in Europe. Uh, and it's and, and Wolfsburg as well. Wolfsburg, who've been majorly underwhelming, but that doesn't shouldn't detract from Salzburg performing very, very well. I think they have a very bright young coach uh, in Matthias Jesler uh, in charge. I'm actually curious to know what would happen if Salzburg continue to perform really well and Leipzig continue to struggle uh, with Jesse Marsh in charge. I've already floated this idea of Red Bull moving out of F1 and switching drivers to potentially <laughs> switching coaches uh, and, and maybe switching Marsh and, and Yesler at some point. Uh, you know, I don't think we're quite at that moment just yet, but I definitely think it would be an interesting possibility because, you know, if you look outside of their European form as well, you know, and you go domestically, when was the last time you saw Red Bull Salzburg uh, losing? You know, they have this massive unbeaten run. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're putting up some crazy numbers. I think it's something close to about maybe... Uh, I, I don't know. You know, we're sort of, sort of talking at least in the in in the 20s. I think the last time they even lost domestically was back in like April, something like that. But you know, they really are an absolute powerhouse in Austria. Yet that strength has never translated onto the continental stage. So to see them now performing like this in the Champions League, something which I guess you could argue is overdue. Uh, you know, considering how the Red Bull project is is, is kind of managed. But it's, I, I mean, I. I think if they were to get to the latter stages, uh, you know, that would be a massive uh, achievement, uh, you know, especially for somebody who's just starting out really uh, as, a, as a coach. And that's that's not saying that all of this success is down to him. You look at some of the talent in that squad as well, and there's some very, very exciting players coming through, not least Brendan Aronson. Yeah, I, I love the shout for RB Salzburg. And Brendan Aronson, obviously, been a revelation playing somewhat of the string puller for, for RB Salzburg. But I really want to focus on, uh, with, with regard to that team, Kareem, Adeyemi, because he's got three goals in three games so far. Got an assist as well in the group stages. He's 19 years old. He is absolutely flying on all cylinders. And I feel like his confidence is continuing to grow. He's now on the radar of Liverpool, who've apparently confirmed their interest, PSG, Bayern Munich. And it looks like his people and Borussia Dortmund, and it looks like his people want him to go to the Bundesliga before he takes that step and goes to potentially the Premier League or one of the other bigger leagues. And so be interesting to see who ends up getting him. I'm seeing his value at 25, 30 million. I don't know. Maybe uh, JJ can confirm that. But 
that's a really good signing for whoever gets them, especially if it's Dortmund, who probably will lose Holland over the summer. But another RB Red Bull player that I want to focus on is Christopher Nkunku, who for Leipzig has scored four goals in six games. I think he, even though he slowed down a little bit over the last three or four weeks, uh, he was tremendous so far. He's, he's really generated a lot of attacking options and finished those off for RB Leipzig. And if they're going to have any chance at this point of just getting the Europa League spot, it's going to be on his back. He's really been carrying the team. Domestically, maybe not as influential, but for whatever reason, the Champions League, he's been lighting it up. He's 23 years old, came up through PSG. I think he represented the team 78 times, so he's got a ton of experience for the club. I wonder if they'd ever consider bringing him back or if he's going to make a move from RB Leipzig. But Nkunku has been fantastic. He's only second to Sebastian Haller, who's captain obvious choice from Heath Pierce over there as you know, somebody to watch. Uh, hey, our... Jimmy, first of well, all, you're, you're, if you're going to attack me now, you, you need to know that you cannot call all of them Red Bull. You have to start to <laughs> – one of them is Rosin Ball Sport. You can call the other one Red Bull, but you cannot call them all Red Bull – when they're playing in the same competition, just so you know. So if okay. you're go All back, right. you want to start this over, <laughs> you, right. can, you can Split call, hairs them, here. call them by their correct name in Europe. Leipzig wow. and Salzburg. Okay, I got You can call them call RB their, if you want. By their surnames. Yes. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, Captain Obvious. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I want to add another one here. We keep talking about, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo on the red side of Manchester. But let me give you another Cristiano. Shafter's Pulse Cristiano, the Brazilian Cristiano. This is a team, Sheriff, we know, of course, the Moldovan club who's uh, topping the group right now, doing ridiculous things. Amazing, the Champions League at this moment. But they do it with about 24% possession. Their expected goals are about 1.2. So it's not like they create that much. But Cristiano is your... He's such a prototypical example of a classic winger. He gets the ball, goes really wide, and just wants to feed, feed, and feed. And that's what he's done. He's already got four assists, by the way, uh, creating about between 70 and 80% you know, uh, pass accuracy, which is you may think is not amazing, but for a team like Sheriff, who don't really have the ball that much and just rely on the counter, is amazing. So I'll give you the Brazilian Cristiano. I bet you some other clubs are looking at him right now. He's not a young buck. He's 28 years old. But he's proven to be, especially in this tournament, to be quite, quite the gem. Cristiano from Sheriff. He's my choice as well. So there you have it. That is, you're raising the bar. Is there anybody else out there that you think deserves a mention? Ander Herrera, our producer, deserves maybe talking about Jonathan Johnson. Does he deserve, or is that maybe more, more because of default that Ander Herrera's in this one? Yeah, I mean, I think Herrera's getting a shout because he actually knows how to score, unlike many of PSG's oh, attackers. Oh, there we go. There we go. Wow. wow. No, just that, raised the bar there, no. too. I th- I, yeah, well, I mean, expect nothing less from me when it comes to the banter stakes. I'm, I'm there. I'm all about raising the bar there. No, it's, um, you know, Herrera has had a very underrated start to the season, you know, both domestically uh, and on the continent. In fact, I think it's been a good start to the season overall for many of PSG's midfielders, just not the ones that we might have expected. You know, Jeannie Wijnaldum has found it quite hard going and that's to the credit of guys like Idris Gay, guys like Herrera, who, uh, you know, I think many were expecting to be potentially moved on by PSG this summer. They're still there and Pochettino's, you know, um, you know, getting a good... Um, uh, you know, a, a good amount back from these guys at, at this moment in time, an unexpected amount of goals, uh, you know, but I think PSG would be struggling more than they are uh, at present if they didn't have guys like Herrera uh, and Gay being the glue that's that's really holding, uh, you know, any sort of semblance of identity in this PSG side that Pochettino is putting out on the pitch at the moment together. 
Yeah, I want to give a shout out to another German, uh, Leroy Sané, actually. I thought he was the spark that really lifted Bayern over Benfica in the last match day. He just scored this past weekend against Union Berlin as well. And even though Lewandowski is going to get all the headlines, Bayern are probably only going to go as far as their wingers take them in some capacity mm. with Nabry and, and Leroy Sané. So if he can continue to hit those heights, uh, it's only going to create more space for Thomas Muller and Lewandowski in the middle of the field, which then I ultimately makes them pretty much unstoppable. So I wanted to give him a shout because if he can if he can really continue to play at this high level that we all know that he's capable of and that he shows us in flashes, and instead of doing flashes, it's just consistent. I, I just don't know how you can stop Bayern Munich, and that's why I think they have to be considered one of the favorites to win the competition. Yeah, I don't have much more to add than that. Jimmy bullied me, and I, I now I'm, <laughs> I'm the smallest version, right I'm the smallest version of myself. I'm afraid to say anything. The bar, was, the bar has reached it. The bar has reached it. <laughs> That, but that's it. But that was Racing the Bar with Sonos Beam. It's fair to say that when it comes to watching the beautiful game, you need quality audio with the Sonos Beam. The Sonic experience is 10 out of 10 with that crystal clear and immersive sound of Dolby Atmos. Watching the Champions League, whether it's Atalanta and Man United or Liverpool and Atletico Madrid, you will feel as if you're right there at the stadium. Just this weekend, I was watching Man United Tottenham on the beam, and the quality is so good. It's like Edison Cavani is yelling, Vamos! Just for me. The beam picks out everything with such great clarity. Listen, the thing about the Sonos Beam is that it's more than just watching soccer. When the TV is off, you can stream the greatest podcast ever made, Que Golazo, listen to music, radio, audiobooks, and video games. You can use it with the Sonos app, Apple AirPlay, or with your own voice using Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the greatest soccer podcast in the history of the world on Sonos Beam, please. It is super intuitive, too. You don't need to be a sound engineer to get the best audio fidelity on the market. Once you've hooked it up on your TV, on your phone, simply use the app's TruePlay feature to map the dimensions of your space to get that optimum surround feel without the help of any technician. And on top of all that, the Sonos Beam is a thing of beauty. Even when it's not in use, it looks like a piece of art with that minimalist design. Our very own Jonathan Johnson, who lives in Paris, he can probably head over to the Louvre and, you know, just pitch it and place it next to the Mona Lisa. It will not look out of place. So if you're in the market for an improved home theater experience, make sure to check out the Sonos Beam. Head over to Sonos.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. Champions League preview. Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, as we discuss a few other games. And by the way, you can go to CBSports.com and read all the previews, all the predictions, uh, if you don't get it right here on your Kego Lasso Champions League preview. Right then, Leipzig. Leipzig, Jesse Marsh against PSG. All right, first of all, JJ, what is the mood around Paris, because even though, you know, Lionel Messi hasn't scored a goal in the league yet, he, he has scored in the Champions League. They are topping League A and, you know, they're doing well, uh, reasonably well in this group as well. What's the mood right now as they uh, visit RB Leipzig and Jesse March? Yeah, one of uh, a little bit of frustration right now, because obviously the team is still not playing at their best satisfaction because of the results, especially given the way they managed to dig themselves out of a hole against Lille at home in Ligue 1 uh, just before this one. Uh, and there's a bit of uncertainty as well surrounding Lionel Messi because he was substituted at halftime, replaced by Mauro Icardi, who couldn't hit a barn door in that game. And, uh, you know, now Messi might miss out. Uh, you know, he's still feeling a bit of muscular discomfort. Uh, 
Kylian Mbappe back will obviously be a big boost. And I think as well, having Neymar finally finding some semblance of form against Lille, uh, having Angel Di Maria back from suspension, suddenly there's a lot of possibilities opening up for Maurizio Pochettino in attack, which is not what you want to hear when you're Jesse Marsh uh, and you come away from Paris feeling quite hard done by, given the way that they performed the last time out. Uh, and, you know, so I, I'm not sure that really Messi is absolutely vital for PSG's chances in this one. And I'd actually argue that you know, if he's not going to be a hundred percent, they might actually be better off letting him rest up. You know, yeah. get back to the full peak of his physical abilities, uh, and then try to start reintegrating himself into this team because he's been saying some interesting stuff uh, in sport over the weekend, um, and he was talking about his adaptation process to in, in PSG. I mean, a number of the the quotes were quite interesting, but this one perhaps piqued my interest the most, where he's saying. I don't really feel like I've settled in at PSG yet, but it's always going to be hard for me to do that because with the international break, it basically means that he misses one game each time Argentina are playing. Uh, and, uh, you know, that then eats into his time playing with PSG. So he hasn't actually even hit double figures in terms of PSG appearances just yet. So, you know, I do think that some of that frustration is coming across when you see him uh, on the pitch with PSG at this moment in time. Then again, if you're looking at the stats alone, he's a different beast in the Champions League. Yeah, I'd jump in and say really quick about the messy quotes that he's had in the interview. One of them that's piqued my interest, JJ, was where he said that, you know, Joao Laporta, the president of Barcelona, came out and said that I would play for free, but nobody even asked me if I would. I took a 50% pay cut and I would have maybe even gone further, but nobody reached out to me and that really hurt me. And when I see quotes from him saying that, it's clear that there's a sadness there, that, 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 that letting go of that experience of his life, which was his whole life, it's going to take time. And I do think there's a, a mental and emotional component here to maybe why he's not performing at his highest levels, even though we do get flashes of it in the Champions League so far. And then with regard to PSG overall, I almost feel like they're better, maybe better balanced when they don't have Neymar and Mbappe and Messi all together on the field at the same time. I know that we wanted to see that because it's so amazing on paper, but I think when the game actually plays, it's better off when they have maybe somebody a little bit more industrious in that front line somewhere doing some type of work so that the other guys can then enjoy a little bit of the space that's been created so they can run it players. So that's something to take into consideration from an RB Leipzig standpoint. I'm nervous for Jesse Marsh. This isn't getting my nervousness hasn't changed. He's only won six out of 15 games since he's been in charge. They do welcome Danny Olmo though, back into the team. And I think that's important. He hasn't yeah, played in a while. So I expect that he's going to be a little bit rusty I, I, even though if he's been training, it's a little bit different than playing in a Champions League match day against one of the better teams in the competition in PSG. So we'll see how many minutes he actually gets. But they got somebody there that can maybe help them transition, can take advantage of those times when they do have a moment to, to hurt that back line for PSG. I just think that PSG is going to have too much here. At some point, they still haven't played their best game. And JJ could maybe argue otherwise because you watch them day in and day out. But I would say that I still don't think we've seen peak PSG. And when we do, that's going to be a scary proposition if they can somehow bottle that up and maintain it over a long period of time. RB Leipzig, I still feel like, are trying to find their identity under Jesse Marsh. And that makes me nervous from an American perspective. But that could put pressure on Greg Berhalter if he's not coaching the U.S. men's national team very well, that Jesse Marsh could be available here pretty soon. So you never know. Here we go. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see peak PSG with this group. Uh, I mean, a peak in the sense of like the best 11 players on the field. I don't know if that will ever make sense. I don't think you have enough role players when you put the uh, quote unquote best 11 together and that they're better as as accepting. Again, when you have that many egos, though, it's tough to get people to accept uh, bit part roles that they're going to have to play within this team where even if you're talking about half of a game, it's still really hard of 
three players that are used to the team um, being surrounded, or at least Mbappe, who's ready for to, to carry a team on his back, and Neymar and 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 Messi, who are both used to when someone gets the ball, the first person you look to is me. And then in the transition game, the game's too fast now, and there's too many good players to be able to have three players that are taking plays off defensively or in transition and those types of things. So you're always going to leave these types of gaps where now you're forcing your your back line to to have to be really really good for long periods because you're defend you're defending down and. And, 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 you know, as you know, you can do it in training for 90 minutes where you defend down three players and you don't give up any goals. But when you have to do that over and over again, you know, you want some reward at the end of it all. So on the flip side, now they have to go and score a bunch of goals for their team, which also isn't happening. And then I agree with Jimmy. Uh, you know, Leipzig are, are, are a team that obviously haven't gotten the signings after moving players on. They weren't worried about selling players before they've started to become more of a club that's comfortable selling players and moving players from the club when it's their time to go and they haven't gotten those replacements. You add that to a few injuries, you add that to a poor form in, in the domestic league. And then you connect that with the champions again, it's just not looking good for Jesse Marsh. And every time I think they're going to round the corner with a good result, they come back from behind. Even Tyler Adams is not a shoe in in the team anymore. He's been a part of a rotated mm -hmm. squad. And when they rotate, when they play a number of games, that makes sense when he's two, three games in a row where he's coming off the bench, I'm worried about his status, his role, Jesse Marsh, trusting him there. And so, uh, for Jesse Mars, it's just not, it's not looking good. It's a tough situation where I don't see where he's going to claw or dig his way out, and certainly not against Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, the alarming thing about um, Leipzig is that they have conceded 11 goals in the Champions League. That's the same as Malmo, okay? So that's a, that's a problem. They've, oh, ouch. They've won, they've, they haven't won a game. They've lost every single game. And now it doesn't matter at this point, you know, what you what we talk or think about PSG. They top Group A. They haven't lost a game, um, you know, so they could put something together. They have enough talent to make it really sticky for Jesse Marsh. And I think answering Keith Pierce's question about seeing a fully fit PSG, my whole thing, this whole thing has been just get to the knockout stages. And then in the in the break, you know, uh, in December, all the way, because they don't play again until January 9th, hopefully they can get healthy again, and that's when you can really focus on it. So, yeah, JJ, I know that you wanted to mention one more thing before we get into uh, Jimmy's uh, betting tips. What, what, did you have something in mind to to that point? Do we? It's just about getting to the knockout stages, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely related to what we've just been talking about because we're talking about PSG getting to play their first choice 11, players getting fit. And the question to all of you, really, a bit of a poser is, when are we going to see Sergio Ramos and are we actually ever going to see him? Because it's <laughs> now there's now started to be some traction. Uh, Leonardo's come out and said, oh, you know, everything that the Spanish media are saying about Sergio Ramos is basically designed to destabilize PSG a bit. And it's them playing mind games again. But there is now a growing feeling, a growing concern in Paris that PSG aren't going to see Sergio Ramos at all, that he's mm. not going to recover from uh, from his fitness, uh, from his injury problems, uh, and that, uh, you know, he's he's basically a busted flush before he's even taken to the pitch. Now, you know, I think I can't see PSG completely giving up on it, on him just yet. But, you know, we are in November and he's not even, you know, gotten anywhere near being in a competitive squad yet. Yeah, yeah really quick on my, on my tips for this one. RB Leipzig have, scored in every single game so far in the Champions League. They went to Manchester and scored three, and Kunku had a hat trick. Then at yeah. home, this is that's the big result. They lost 2-1 at home to Club Brugge, and, and that's the one that's going to probably eliminate them from even qualifying for the Europa League and finishing third. And then they went to PSG. They were up 2-1, went down 1-0, scored two, so they were up 2-1, and then gave up two goals to Leo Messi. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out and try to attack this one because they have PSG at home, they have Man City at home, and they play away. 
in Belgium for, for their only away day in the last three match days. They're going to have to win that one and then hope to get a draw against the other two to even have a chance because Club Brugge sits on four points. So it's going to be a tough test, and this is going to be the one I think that could make or break how they try to attack the next two games. they got to go for it. And I think if you go for it against the PSG team, you're going to get stung going the other way. I like both teams to score PSG to win plus 260. Yeah, I like that. Heath, final prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go with a draw on this one. I would love to see uh, Leipzig pull this one out. They also played Dortmund uh, on mm-hmm. the weekend as well after. So they were sort of in, I feel like Jesse Marsh is in his Ole Gunner uh, moment right now with <laughs> a different different level of pressure, less chance for windows and less opportunity, but just sort of uh, nothing is going his way. And so uh, unfortunately, I think a draw is all they get out of it. Maybe that's an exciting that leads them to a result against Dortmund, but yeah, a draw. JJ? Yeah, I picked 1-1 for this one. Uh, I think that Leipzig will give it a really good go and they'll come out with a a better result than they came uh, away from Paris with. I just feel a bit for them really because it was a very decent performance, you know, by Leipzig standards. uh, And I think they probably deserved more than a loss, Uh, you know, but the Champions League is extremely unforgiving, uh, you know, and I think that Leipzig are ultimately going to end up empty handed this uh, this campaign. So I'll say 1-1 but I don't think it's going to finish well, the group for, for Jesse Marsh and his boys. Yeah, I'm sticking to that goal minus in the Champions League, and there will be goals in this one. I'm not sure if the home side will be the one that wins from it, but we will see. All right, to end things here, uh, let's go to Group E, Barcelona. Oh, God, if somebody needs a win right now in the Champions League, it's definitely them, as they, of course continue to work for a new manager. Xavi remains uh, the top, you know, the topic and the, the, the main uh, arrows point to him, but still they have to play in the Champions League against, and um, they have to travel to Dynamo. Kiev, uh, Jimmy Conrad, what say you? I don't know what to say about this one. I don't know which version <laughs> of Barcelona we're going to see. Now, Sergi Barwan oversaw the 1-1 draw with Alaves this past weekend for Barcelona as everybody patiently awaits or eagerly awaits the arrival of Xavi. I would say that uh, this is a must-win game for them, obviously, to make sure they can get Europa League status, which I'm sure Barcelona fans are thrilled about to be in the second-tier competition in Europe. But Dinamo Kiev have to know that this is their biggest opportunity to also get into the Europa League and and that their focus is going to be there. They have yet to score so far, but it was only 1-0 in favor of Barcelona. Gerard Piquet scored uh, in match day three. So they got to feel like they went to Spain and did something and that they were hanging around and that they probably have a sense of belief that they can hang with this Barcelona team and that once another manager comes in, this this might not be the this might might be the best time to play them is what I'm trying to say. So Barcelona obviously has a little bit more quality all over the pitch, but I would say that in terms of who they are and what their identity is, I think Dinamo Kiev might have the advantage there. At the very, at the very most, I could see a draw for Dean Mokiev, which plays into Barcelona's hands. But uh, Barcelona still have a chance, obviously, getting the knockout rounds. I shouldn't say that. They, they, if they beat Benfica at home, get a result here, then they're going to be fine. But I still think that's going to be a big ask. It's not easy to travel to Ukraine and get a result. Heath? Yes, yeah, not easy to travel to Ukraine oh, and get a result. And this is also a Barca side that scored once in three games so far, and it's Gerard Piquet who chipped in with the goal. So mm-hmm. for <laughs> right. me, I, I've, I, I, I struggle to see where Barca are going to you know, have enough firepower to 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 really blow this uh, Dynamo Kiev side away. And I think if they are going to come away with a win, it's going to be a very, very narrow uh, victory. You know, perhaps another one goal victory. Uh, you know, I just don't see Barca blowing anyone away at this moment in time, especially when there's uncertainty about, you know, who really is going to be in charge of the team uh, come the, the other side of the international break that's approaching. 
Yeah, and and then obviously with with their attack at Barcelona, I've just been waiting for them to arrive at some point with the players that they have. They they seem to have decent amount of possession. I, I think it was uh, James Benja that talked about their possession in and around the goal was actually not bad and the chances they create. I don't see that. Maybe that's just a stat that I'm not seeing because it doesn't seem like they're creating a lot of dangerous chances. I think their XG is pretty good. But Mutual Luchescu, that's who I'm focusing on on this one. One of one of the most experienced experienced managers in all of uh, Champions League history. He's amongst, I think, the top five or six managers of all time in terms of matches played. This is a moment where he arrives in these types of games playing against this Barcelona side. And I just see him scrapping out a result, just playing spoilers to them and, and trying to increase their odds of getting into Europa League. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly not hard to get up for a match against a Barcelona. And when you get a rare chance to maybe maybe put a put a put a slap on on one of the, the, the biggest clubs in the world, I think you can get up for that occasion. So I think it's going to be a difficult one for Barcelona. I could see uh, Kiev getting a result here. Yeah, well, to your point, uh, Heath Pierce, that your first point was, uh, you know, Barcelona only scored one goal in the Champions League right now. And that one goal was against Dynamo Kiev. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Jimmy Connor, quick betting tips here. No, I just, will Barcelona get it done, first of all? I, I I don't know if they will. That's where I'm standing at the moment. And I just like the value. And I look at it from a betting perspective. The value, the draws plus 285, which is tremendous. And then if you want to go for it, Dinamo Kiev to win straight up is plus 420. Wow. And, and that's that's not a bad bet considering where this Barcelona team is at to both emotionally and physically. But, and, you know, I, I don't know. This is a, an interesting one for me. I, I, I think the draw... I got him straddling the fence a lot, but uh, I think that to Heath's point, I think Dinamo Kiev will be up for it, knowing what's at stake. If they get a result here, that could really propel them into getting into either the Europa League or maybe even the knockout rounds that they can take care of Benfica as well. So that's it's interesting times. It's a big, big match for both clubs. Big match. And Jimmy, you said it at the very beginning. You predicted Barcelona to maybe not get into the knockout stages. And here they are on the precipice of maybe that happening. Thumbs up there, Jimmy Conrad. Our final thoughts. Champions League preview is over, but not before we hear the final thoughts from my team. Heath Beers, final thoughts. Um, I mean, my only fun, final thoughts are is go watch uh, Sebastian Haller play if you haven't already. Jimmy knows that's the low-hanging fruit. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, you know, uh, that's that's all. I got nothing to add. Well, that, and that's really good news for everybody, right? Because West Ham are doing really well. Uh, Haller's doing really well. I'm telling oh, so you, everybody's yeah. happy. Come on, you, got, you can't be saying that after this weekend. Well, I, was trying, <laughs> West Ham. I was trying to focus on West Ham, uh, JJ, nothing else. Final thoughts from you, uh, JJ. Yeah, I mean, I'll save my uh, grumblings about Villa for another time. Uh, no, I'm just really <laughs> looking forward to another week of fantastic Champions League action. You know, great to be back with you guys and, you know, looking forward to dissecting more of it later on this week. Love it. Jimmy? Yeah, I'm just going to jump in and give another shout out uh, to FC Sheriff. They're hosting Inter Milan this time around. They won Ooh. their first two match days to go top of the table with a group that includes Real Madrid, the most successful team in the competition's history, Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk. They were 1-1 with Inter Milan for a good portion, or maybe not that long, but for a while in match day three, Inter went on to win 3-1. Now they're at home, though, and I don't think it's an easy place to go to Moldova and get a result, Inter Milan. So I want to see if Sheriff, because if they can beat Inter Milan here, 
I want to say they're going to book their ticket to go to the knockout rounds of the Champions League, which oh, would be unbelievable. Jimmy's giving credit for going 1-1 for a while in a match. Jeez Louise, <laughs> Jimmy. Coming Zero, out here, yeah, lasting he, a while. You really going at Jimmy today. Yeah. He, he, really... he, he attacked me. Well, like like, no, like an old married couple. Look at <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, well, guess what, everybody? If you love more of these, I can't wait to tell you that Kego uh, Lasso here have a weekly USMNT content video with Jimmy and Heath, but I, I take it that 80% of it is just going to be bickering and then the rest is going to be about why joe scally should be in the squad <laughs> good bickering though you know constructive bickering. bickering you know constructive bickering yes uh but that was it by the way i'm looking forward to Villarreal against young boys and there'll be another time to chat about unai emery being the lead right now reportedly to be Newcastle, Newcastle united's new manager but we will see about that but that is it heath Pierce, jimmy conrad jonathan johnson heath thank you so much buddy thank you jimmy always a pleasure later everybody Thank you, JJ. Likewise, my man. I uh, love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Make sure that you have a great, great week. Stay with us. Subscribe to Kego Lasso on YouTube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. Press that notification bell. Make sure that you go on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review, a glowing five-star rating and review. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, and CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Enjoy the Champions League and so much more. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.